podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. Welcome to episode number 68 with the precious Kenna Catadella. You all are going to love her. Oh my goodness. Jill and I just enjoyed this conversation with her so much. She is a breath of fresh air and faith in the Lord. She is encouraging and inspiring. Kenna is a wife, a mom, a grandma, very happy and proud grandma. Um, She has, in her professional life, been a school teacher as well as a reading specialist called an RTI, Response to Intervention Specialist, working with children and helping them learn. She is a follower of Christ and passionate about helping others. Kenna is going to talk about her life and specifically um, in her marriage, merging two different types of worship, and then a couple of other frayed knots that she's going to share with us and how that led her to her passion. So I, you're really going to love this one. I got a lot out of it. It was, it's just, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So listen in. Hey, Kenna, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You're so welcome. We are thrilled you're here, and we would love for you to just introduce yourself to all the people that are listening. Okay, well, my name is Kenna Catadella, and that's kind of a funny name uh, to say. I used to teach school, and my kids would say Catadella and Caterpillar, and so I've been called <laughs> everything. But, uh, it's Catadella, like a little kitty cat. Um, I was raised in Altus, Oklahoma, in the southwest part of Oklahoma, way down in the corner, uh, about 15 miles from Texas, in just a small, I say small town, it it seems small and it's still small to me, but I graduated with about 375 students, so that was, you know, not that small, but anyway, um, lived there all my life, went there from kindergarten through 12th grade, um, grandparents were there, um, I was involved in 4-H and FFA. Uh, my dad was actually my ag teacher, and I showed cattle, showed heifers and steers from first grade to uh, my senior year and was um, at the barn all the time. I give Steve a hard time because he's the cook at our house, and, you know, my mom said I tried to teach her to cook, but she was at the barn, and, and <laughs> she wasn't kidding. I, I really was. So. Even from as small as first grade? Yeah. yeah. So. That's pretty amazing to me. Those are such big animals. Yes. So I actually showed a heifer, which is a girl, girl mm-hmm. cow, you know. Um, and I remember it. I was I was six and um, wasn't old enough to be in 4-H yet because you had to be nine. But there was a little open class, and my dad had me out there showing and showed me how. And we practiced. And they were just kind of like big pets, I think, to me because someone else had broken them to lead. And I was used to going to the barn, you know, with my dad and brushing them and walking them and everything. So... Um, yeah. So I bet you learned a lot of cool things just in that whole process of all yeah, that, yeah, all a those lot years. Of, a lot of hard work, a lot of teamwork. Um, students that are in 4-H and FFA now are just really close to my heart because you just learn a lot of life lessons. Right, you learn, right. You know, how to speak in public, um, eye contact and gesturing and um, how to keep a record book and um, write checks and take care of animals and responsibility. And there's there are a lot of really cool life lessons in FFA so it's it's near and dear to my heart and um, I'm so thankful I got to be in it and especially since my dad you know as my ag teacher my 
my friends would say, oh, you don't have to do very much because, you know, he, do, he doesn't make you do anything. And I'm like, well, you should see that chore chart in the barn because if you guys don't show up, who do you think is cleaning out the feed room? I get to. So <laughs> it's not all that easy. It's probably actually Dad kind of made it hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but it was fun. It was good. <laughs> and then um, I was in gymnastics and cheerleading and um, ran track. So just kind of did a little bit of everything. Um was raised in um, an amazing church, went to the Church of Christ all my life. My parents, um, my dad was a deacon, my granddad was a deacon, my other granddad um, was an elder, and, you know, was expected we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, BBS, um, youth group, um, just a real strong foundation um, in being raised that way, and so I appreciate that. My parents still go there today, and um, it's so fun to go back and um, go to church with them and listen to the four-part acapella harmony. You know, it's oh. it's just is so touching. I love praise and worship <laughs> yes. with lots of instruments because I didn't have it growing up. But right. I just love yeah. going back home and and just listening to all those beautiful voices. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty neat. A friend of mine whose family is from Church of Christ was telling me once that her daughter said after visiting a different denomination church, she came home and she said, "Mom." They do not know how to sing. They don't. <laughs> because in her church, she was used to hearing excellent four-part harmony mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool benefit and blessing of Church of Christ uh, upbringing, yeah. that you hear that and you recognize that. And mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I'm all about that. I know. It was Robin's Choir like, teacher here. Robin's yeah, exactly. Like, love the harmony. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so carry on. I didn't mean that. No, no. You're good. You are good. Um, so... Um, my parents were divorced, unfortunately, when I was a junior in high school, and then that was pretty devastating, um, really, really devastating. I have one younger brother, and, you know, my parents and grandparents were pillars in the community, so everyone knew about it and whatnot, and so um, I just kind of, I guess, buried my head. Um, my, my dad moved to Stillwater. Um, I went to Oklahoma State University after I graduated from high school. Um, we're third gen- I was a third-generation cowboy. Some of my uncles went there, and certainly my dad and some cousins, they ran track and cross-country, and so we bleed orange, really. So, um, that's where I went, and, and I loved that. But um, dad was there, and it was, it was different. You know, it was just really different um, to see him in a different role. Um, I was a daddy's girl, but it was still just hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. it takes, there are always two sides to every story. And so that was yeah. pretty devastating when right. I was a junior. And then my brother, I think I think he was a seventh grader, and that's a real pivotal time in right. a young man's life, um, needing a role model. So, um, you know, that being said, every everything worked out fine. Um, both my parents got remarried. I have a wonderful stepfather now who, to this day, he's 85, and when I go home, he takes my face in his hands and says, if I could have picked a daughter, you know, mm. there's nobody else I would have picked you know, oh. better than you. So he's just so sweet to me. And oh. um, before my dad passed away, and years ago, my dad um, remarried as well. So, and from an extended family, you know, with lots of, lots of siblings and, and step-siblings and everything. So anyway. So how did you meet Steve? On a blind date. Oh yep. wow! A successful yes. blind it date was story. A Listeners, blind there is hope. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, get yourself an Italian, then have a blind date. <laughs> we um, 
So right out of OSU, I actually started um, with a major and then changed to elementary education. Um, I had taught gymnastics and taught VBS and came from a, a family of teachers. And so when I went to OSU, I was actually an agriculture communications major, which I didn't know anything else to pick. So I married the agriculture part and I married the communication part and thought that'll be my major. Well, I did that for about three semesters and it wasn't going well. And my roommate was doing all her fun literacy projects and her cute little boards and everything. I thought that's what I want to be doing. So I changed my major and loved it. Um, grades went up. I was happy. Everything mm-hmm. was working out. And so I ended up being an elementary ed major. And I graduated then from OSU and got my first teaching job um, in Tulsa. I taught second grade um, for two years there and um, taught um, at an amazing school called Hawthorne Elementary. Um, I just love the memories that I have at that school. I was there, like I said, for two years. And then um, went to moved to Edmond, Oklahoma. My cousin was teaching in Jones, a little small community outside of Oklahoma City yep. by Choctaw and Midway mm-hmm. City. Um, and they were going to add another third grade uh, section to a brand new school. And she said, you should come and um, interview for this. And I said, okay, I will. And so I did. And so I ended up moving to Edmond. Um, fast forward, uh, one of my friends was a second grade teacher and lived next door to Steve. And she said, I've got this great guy I want you to meet. And I, at the time, I didn't really want to meet anybody and was coming out of a relationship and he was too. And like, okay, whatever. So, um, I said, after the holidays, you know, let's meet. And so she had us over for popcorn and Coke to her um, house and he drove up and this is just a big joke to both of us. He's going to hate that I'm even saying this, but <laughs> we laugh about it. So he got out of his car, which was a company car at the time. He worked for digital, digital equipment corporation on computers but his company car was a station wagon. And isn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> and then he gets out and he had on um, some gray polyester pants, the pants that are look, supposed to look like jeans. And I always thought I would marry a cowboy from southwest Oklahoma. Um, but he was this Italian guy from Connecticut, this city boy. <laughs> and it was just funny. I'd give him a hard time about what he had on. But <laughs> he turns it around because... You remember prairie skirts back in the day? Oh, yeah. 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 How cute, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Denim, little boots, little Henley. Uh-huh. I was looking pretty cute. But he laughs about, yeah, and you had that big, long, grandma-looking dress on. So we just laugh about how ridiculous <laughs> we thought we looked. So anyway, we met that night and um, dated for a couple of years and, um, you know, just wanted to be friends. Made it perfectly clear we were just friends. And then that turned... You know, after a couple of years, you know, when you're friends first and um, fell in love and then um, got married in August. And we will be married 31 years this coming August. Wow. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Great. Thanks. Yeah. It's been quite a ride. <laughs> so um, our, our backgrounds were super different. Um, Steve, like I said, was um, from, the, from Connecticut. He... Um, was raised in the Catholic Church, a devout Catholic family, a large family. He's got five siblings. And um, like I said, I was raised in southwest Oklahoma um, in the Church of Christ um, with a small family. And so I just think it's been kind of cool how God has taken two very different people and brought us together. And I love that he knew that that was going to happen long before time. Mm-hmm. And um mm. 
you know, created us, created us in His image and brought us together. But um, our differences in, in background and our differences in our faith beliefs um, was a challenge. Um, at first, I was set on, all right, I'm still going to get a church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And in fact, our blind date, we met on a Wednesday night. And the whole night I felt so guilty because I wasn't at church. And so <laughs> there just seemed to be a lot of guilt for the things I knew I should be doing and things I'd been taught to do and to believe mm-hmm. and didn't have a lot of room for grace. And so we, I went to church. He would go with me reluctantly. Um, I would continue to go to Bible studies um, I love women's Bible studies and retreats and women's conferences. Give me all the Jesus, you know. Um, <laughs> but I felt really um, just torn in trying to understand how he was raised and his Because beliefs. he didn't grow up in a Church of Christ right. family, right? No, no, wow. no. He um, grew up Catholic, and I went to a class with him and tried to learn all I could. Um, I would ask him questions. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be frustrating to him because he couldn't tell me why he believed what he believed. And he would ask me questions, and it would be frustrating to me. And so I think we were just really doing what our parents had taught us to do. Mm -hmm. And our beliefs were not our own. And at that time, I um, thought I had a personal walk with the Lord I'd been baptized and done all the things I had been taught mm-hmm. to do, all the works, right. basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was baptized at 14, mainly because the lady across the street from us told me it was time I should do that. And so I was like, okay. So I kind of did that and went on you know, with the rest of my life, but um, hadn't really and didn't give my life to Christ and surrender till I ended up until I was 35 years old. Um, so that's a story, you know, within itself. So kind of backing up, um, he and I would go to church. He was going with me to the Church of Christ. Um, he would go with me every now and then, maybe to a Bible study. Um, and I was just trying to be in prayer that God would help me change him. Well, there you go. <laughs> God would help me change him. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's pretty much the wrong prayer to be praying. Um, and it took me a while to figure that out. And um, over many years, 27 to be exact, um, the Lord was doing a work in me, changing my heart, and certainly doing a work in Steve. Um, we didn't have marital issues. We had a great marriage. He was a great husband, still a great husband, became a great dad, um, just fun-loving and just a great man, a good man from a good, solid home. And um, But the one main thing we needed was the Lord in the middle of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of over here with him, with the Lord, and I didn't see any proof in Steve at all that he was, you know, trusting in God, and it was, it was hard. Um, and so... He didn't go to church in the Catholic Church at all. He never talked about it. Um, and then when Austin was Austin was born, our first son was born in 1992, um, and he 
was about 10 months old, and Steve um, decided that he wanted to go back to the Catholic Church and raise Austin in the Catholic Church. And I was, I felt blindsided, yeah. you know, to be honest. Because if he hadn't been going all these years, and all of a sudden all he wants sudden, to. Yeah. 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 And so I wasn't very gracious about that. I kind of dug my heels in, um, and that was certainly not the way the Holy Spirit wanted that to work at all. Um, through all of this time, though, I, I just stayed in prayer. When I couldn't come up with a scripture to prove what I wanted to prove to him or to show him truth, to take him to the Word, you know, I just prayed that the Lord would um, help me to be content and that my life would lead him. Um, and there were a lot of years that that wasn't pretty, it wasn't, I wasn't doing a good job of leading. So, um, after we... Well, it sounds like at the beginning of your faith walk, you were probably a good girl rule follower, and so you were following rules, but not right. necessarily your own beliefs, right? Right, right. So yeah. it would be hard to do that. Right, absolutely, it was. Um, when Austin was five... Or let me back up just a minute. When Austin was three and I was teaching school, a dear friend of mine was taking care of him. Um, and I remember it was difficult at home. And I remember dropping him off at the babysitters. He, Austin was in tears. I was in tears. We'd had a bad morning. You all have been mom. Mm -hmm. You all are moms. Mm -hmm. You know been how difficult there. that is. Yes. And I remember going to school and sitting on my little stool in the front and trying to give a spelling test. And I just couldn't even get the words out of my mouth because my heart was so broken and so sad and so stressed and lonely. And um, I went to my principal and said, I just, I don't know if I can do this. And she said, you know what, why don't you take the rest of the day and I'll never forget it. She said, I'll cover your class and just, just, um, just How leave kind. for the day. I know. Wow. So I said, okay. So I called Steve and I said, I need to, we need to talk. Um, I don't know if I can keep teaching or, or where we are. And so um, he was working in Oklahoma City, and we met in an apartment complex in the back of it um, at a pond. We jokingly call it the breakdown pond. <laughs> I didn't have a breakdown, but it felt like I was, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so we talked not not about church, not about religion. And I think that was a lot of our problem was we didn't communicate well at all. We didn't talk about it because it always ended up in hurt feelings and brokenness mm -hmm. and more... Um, loneliness, and so we just glossed over it Monday through Friday, and then we kind of faced it on Saturday and Sunday, and those Saturdays and Sundays were so hard for both of us, um, for both of us, and anyway, back to the breakdown pond, at that afternoon, we decided that I would take a year's leave of absence um, from school, and we would just see how that would go. Um, if we could afford it for one, if I enjoyed mm -hmm. being a stay-at-home mom. I remember a good friend of mine, she was about 11 years older, she was a sweet teacher, and she said, you know, you might not be a stay-at-home mom, and that's okay. Not everybody wants to do that. And I remember when she said that, that kind of, oh, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try this, and if I can't do it and I'm not good at it, then it's okay. I don't have to be that, that stay-at-home mom. Well, lo and behold, that one year turned into 12. <laughs> and I, I loved it and stayed at home with both my boys um, for 12 years. So, And in that time, I started taking Austin to Bible Study Fellowship, BSF. And that was a 
wonderful few years that I got to share um, and learn about the Bible and dig deeper into it and study and be poured into and be guided. And um, Austin was able to go with me, and he was hearing the same stories on his level. And, you know, we were talking about the stories, and just it was just amazing to be able to share that with him all along, wanting to share those things that I had learned with Steve, Mm -hmm. but not having the courage maybe to do it. Um, also, I'm an Enneagram 9, and I'm all about keeping Me the peace. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm keeping with the you. Peace. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> I remember it was, I was 35 years old, and I had been trying to do all the right things and lead Steve and lead Austin and not doing it well and feeling guilty and feeling so dry and feeling arid. Those were my two words, dry and arid and empty and numb. And when I was 35, in, the, in my pickup, in the parking lot at Henderson Hills Baptist Church, I remember saying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I've got to surrender this to you. I've got to surrender my life. Take it. Um, please be the boss of my life. Please, you know, be my Savior. And so having, and that's, that's really where my heart became softened and um, just began mm-hmm. to seek the Lord as mine, my personal Savior, in an intimate way. Mm. And continued, you know, to, to study and learn and um, love Steve. Like I said, he's just an amazing man. Um, but still, we didn't have that common mm-hmm. chord. Mm-hmm. You know, the three strands. Right. Did you share with him? One. Did you tell him that day, I had the sweetest prayer with the Lord? Or was it... I did not. I did not. He didn't... I didn't think he would understand it or get it or it would push him away, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't share that with him. I'm not sure when I did. But, um, you know, eventually, of course, I did. Um, so a few years later... Um, Four years and nine months later, actually, we had our second son, Brooks. And um, now we were raising both of our sons, and we were going to two different churches. We would go to the Catholic church, you know, one Sunday, and we would go to, um, at that time, I think I'd gone to, started going to First Christian and Jones. I was just looking for the perfect church and denomination to meld everything together to make Steve happy and to make Kenna happy. And it wasn't the Lord. I wasn't letting him lead. And so we would go back and forth, back and forth. And we did that for a number of years. And um, it became confusing to our kids. You know, what church are we going to? Are we going to Daddy's church or Mommy's church? And that still breaks my heart. Um, and so 20 years ago, we moved to Owasso. We had the opportunity to move here. Steve's job changed. And I thought, okay. We're going to go to Owasso, and this will be our chance. We'll find the church. We'll find the middle of the road. Um, and so when we came here, we church shopped and church hopped because Kenna wanted to, and Steve was gracious enough to do that. Probably did it for six months, and I'm telling you, we've been all over the place. And I still was just in fervent prayer, and at that time had learned to pray more specifically and more expectantly. And I had put God in a box. I knew he could 
change Steve and change me, but I almost didn't believe that he would. I just still doubted him. And I just, like I said, just it needed to look like this, and it's going to be on this timing, and that's not what was going to happen. So here we were. We'd been married for a very long time. Um, we moved here. We church shopped. Um, Steve had finally said, you know, we're not going to keep doing this. He was the leader of my home. Um, I wanted him and needed him. We needed him to be our spiritual leader, and I knew I was supposed to be content in all circumstances, you know, all the things, right, <laughs> right. girls? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, ended up going to um, a Catholic church here in Owasso, and I have some of my most best friends who I dearly love um, and thankful for just being there for me, you know, and uh, we have lots of friends that are Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, and so our journey continued. Um, he and I taught fourth grade Sunday school there. Um, we were greeters. I thought I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. Lord, if this is going to be how it's going to be, then I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, my part and raise the boys. And so um, we did that for a few more years. And um, there were some Sundays I'm like, I need, I, I just really need to go to another church. You know, I'm going to go here. Um, we visited again at some other churches, and he would go with me, just kind, be kind about it. Uh, we would go. As soon as it was over, it's like, okay, done, check, check. We're in the parking lot. Good, another another week of starting. Where are we going to go eat? You know. So we would just kind of blow it off. And again, not sharing a lot of things. Um, and then as the boys got older, they began to have more friends, um, friends who are godly friends, friends who I had prayed for for so long and um, Austin graduated and got an ROTC scholarship scholarship to KU um, and so he went there for four years and then joined the Marine Corps after that and uh, he and I have had such great conversations about God and both my boys um, Austin was saved when he was eight I think and Brooks was saved when he was younger and God gets all the glory for that. I mean, His grace is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And just, I think, you know, taking them through BSF and being able to share the Bible and to share truth was pivotal. Um, and as you will hear, both my boys have become pivotal to Steve's salvation. Certainly God, but mm -hmm. our sons have been instrumental and inspirational as well. So Austin went off to college and Brooks was... I'm still with us, and it became difficult. You know, why are we going to this? You know, this church. Why are we going to two churches? Lots of questions, and I still almost couldn't answer them. Um, just trying to keep every everything happy, and so um, we love Owasso. We jumped right in um, to you know community service and all of those things, and um, the school system. And um, I wasn't working at the beginning, um, and so when Brooks became a little older, he. Um, had a great group of friends at First Baptist Owasso, an amazing, amazing youth group with Joe McKean and everything. You know, I love that guy. Um, and so he said, Mom, I'm going to start going to First Baptist. And I was like, all right, you know. And he and I thought, oh, my goodness, he's going to have to tell Steve. And Steve was very sweet about it. And um, I could, I, at this time, I began to see a softening in Steve, a changing in his heart. Um, and I had prayed for so many years that Steve would find a group of men who loved God and were passionate about the Lord and the truth of the Bible and be able to 
share it with him, guys that he could, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, you know, um, relate to. And I remember praying, I wish he had a quiet time. I wish he would just get up and spend just a few minutes with God because that's my most special time of my day, and I'd love to do that. And I just knew so many things. If I could just get him to try it, the Lord is going to just bless that, and he's going to be so passionate about it. I'm thinking if he could just be as passionate about Jesus as he is Oklahoma State basketball, <laughs> we'll be okay here. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, Brooks started going to a different church, and pretty soon he we just started going there because we were like, we're tired of going to three or four different churches. And so we all started um, going to First Baptist for a while. And I remember it was our 25th wedding anniversary, which was just six years ago. And I really, again, I could see Steve changing and softening, and we were beginning to talk about the Lord. And it was so sweet and so special. And I thought, I, I really felt drawn to get baptized again, just as a new beginning, because I could tell things were changing. And I thought, I just want to do that. And I was out walking, and we just lived right around the corner from Robin and Chris. That's right, just and, down the street. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, Lord, I need you to tell me, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Lord. You know, I'm all about telling him, okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have a plan. <laughs> I'm all about plans. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> If Chris Wall is outside, then I'm just I'm going to talk to him real quick and just you know ask him about I need to visit with you you know I feel like I need to be baptized again and if he's not then I'm just not going to do it and so I rarely saw Chris outside ever really and so I came around the corner and who's outside mowing his lawn Chris Wall so we were probably podcasting if he was mowing (laughs) well that's a little joke for Jillie there have been many a time that he's mowing when we were oh perfect continue yeah. and I, you know, I have this big lump in my throat, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And so he was so sweet about it. I love that man. And we just talked real briefly, and I told him just quickly, and you can't tell quickly this 27 years of this story, you know, how God has been doing amazing things in our marriage. And I just really felt a need to to visit with him and, and be baptized and kind of mm-hmm. start anew. And he said, well, that's great. You know, I think that we should do that. He goes, I'm getting ready to go on a mission trip, and I'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh. And Austin was coming home, I think, on the weekend for leave or something. And it was just really important to me that I was able to do that with my family there because our whole family's been on this journey. This hasn't Mm -hmm. been a Kenna and Steve thing, but it's been Kenna and Steve and Austin and Brooks. and, And so... I ended up visiting with Brad Ayler. Yes. And he was so kind and talked me through everything. And he said, Kenna, this is a spiritual marker. Those are the words that he used. And I, and I love that, that this was a spiritual marker. The things before were important and designed by God, and hearts were changed and are being changed. But this, this one action was going to be something that was going to kind of propel me forward, you know. Um, certainly we're not saved by our works we're not saved by outward things but I was just excited to do this and Steve was so kind about it I was so kind of nervous to tell him but no he's like no let's do it I'll be on the front row and so um Brad you know baptized me and that was very cool and Mm -hmm. just loved it um and so continuing on we um continued to worship there and I thought okay okay we're at First Baptist. Let's let's get in a Sunday school class. Let's um, dive in. 
and I, I just want to do that. I want to go all in all the time. I want to just go all in and, you know, I feel like I'm pulling Steve. Let's do this. Let's do this. And again, he hadn't quite surrendered everything, but I could feel like he was asking more questions and he was softening and he was getting closer and I could just see the Lord working in his heart. And Austin and Brooks were so amazing to just visit with him and pray with him and over him and you know, tears flowed, and if you ever get a chance to talk to Steve, he's this big Italian guy with tons of passion and a <laughs> big booming voice, but he has the biggest, softest, most compassionate heart that you'll ever meet. And for his sons to be able to do this, walk this with him, he can't talk about it to this day without just tearing up. Mm. And I think that's precious, and I hope that that never changes, and I don't think it will. But... um Austin had invited us, Steve and I, to go on a retreat and had talked to us and had encouraged us to go on a retreat. And again, this is with another church, and um, I'm all about it. Give me all the Jesus. Give me all the retreats. Help me study. Help me lead. And um, Steve's like, no, no, no. For a couple of years, Steve said, I want you to do this. You should do this. You guys should go. Mom, you'd love it. Dad, you'd probably hate it, but you need to go. <laughs> and so um, he finally said, I'm paying for this out of my pocket, and I want you guys to go. And so we went on a retreat. It wasn't a couple's retreat, but it was, um, you know, lots of different people just really searching. And um, at that retreat, I think Steve was was broken, and um, God just went in and snatched him and had been pursuing him for so long mm-hmm. and grabbed his heart and to sit back on the sidelines part of the time and be in the middle of it part of the time it was hard it was challenging but to see how God changed this man who I really doubted that he would I knew he could but I didn't know if he would and to see God do that I just can't tell you how amazing his grace is Mm. that's the word I keep coming back to and um, mm-hmm. and so Steve said, I'm tired of going to all your church, my church. Let's find our church. And so um, we have since, in the last four years, been at Life Church here in Owasso. Um, we have started immediately the man who I dreamt of and had prayed for, um, jumped in serving on a host team and um, information team and greeting and I have a picture of him, and he's got that red shirt on. If you've ever driven by on a Sunday morning, he's mm-hmm. way big. And I mean, that smile, the radiance of the Lord is so amazing to me. And he has actually started a men's life group. Who knew that wow. Steve Cadadell would ever lead other men? Well, God knew. We mm. have a couple's life group that we um, lead, and... Um, it's just been crazy. One of the things I have in my bathroom is a little plaque, and it says, I still remember the days I prayed for the things I have now. Oh, yeah, that's Whoa. good. That's it's so good. so crazy because I had prayed for so long and learned to pray more fervently and expectantly and specifically, and now to see those answers. And we're not there yet. I mean... We still have issues, you know, till the day we take our last breath. We still don't agree on some things, and we still need help communicating. We're normal, <laughs> fleshly, 
sending That's calls, right. you know. Some of our biggest and heated discussions come right before our life group gets there. And they're like, oh, hey, come on in. We're going to talk about Jesus. But um, <laughs> it's amazing to sit back and watch him lead now. Yeah. And so... And that's encouragement, too, I think, for people who have been praying and Mm. begging for somebody to to not give up. It's it's a process for some people, and it's a long journey for some people. Yes, and I will tell you, there were times I didn't pray. I was just like, I've said it all. You know it already, Lord. I don't even know what to pray for. I'm done. I'm I'm out. And but I love that scripture that talks about how when with the groans, you know, you yes. don't yes. know the words to say. Don't even yes. know the words to say. Yes, and the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit himself intercedes for yes. us with words, groans that words cannot express. Yes, He's so kind. I know it. And even Jesus intercedes for us. Later in that same chapter, mm-hmm. it says that the Son of Man is sitting at His right hand, interceding for us too. What a beautiful, perfect best friend. And how beautiful is it, too, that God knew the timetable when you Mm -hmm. didn't? Mm -hmm. What an encouragement to our listeners. So many of you that are listening may be in a situation that you may have felt, there's no more sand in this hourglass. It's just got to be done. I can't do it anymore. But God sees you. His timing is perfect. And now that... Kenna has that plaque of she remembers the days she prays, she prayed for what she has now. Um, just to have that faith that God is working in your life too. And I love it that you patiently walk through such a time of, and I know a lot of our listeners may relate to this, where two spouses come from different backgrounds mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where do we Go to church. This is a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And God has faithfully led you. And now, oh, He's been so good. And now you have a church for you two together. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, we actually talk about the sermons and talk about the praise and worship and things we never would even mention before. It's been great. And I love that you talked about the timing was perfect because I'll be I'll be honest. And I, I thought, well, why didn't He do this sooner? And I, I can sometimes get... There were times I was very bitter and very resentful of Steve and probably of God, too, going, why does this have to take so long? Why does this have to be so difficult? And Steve even says now, you know, it was in his timing. It was in God's timing. He's never too early and he's never too late. And that is so humbling to me. And I love that you said that, Robin, because that is so, so true. One of the scriptures that I just held on to was Isaiah 43, 19. Oh, we love that. We were just... Just both sharing how much we love that verse. Please continue. <laughs> I was, I was, I think I mentioned earlier, I was just in an arid, dry place, and I remember that scripture, and it's kind of funny because God says, See, I'm doing a new thing. This is when I can see Steve, you know, softening and, and coming to the Lord. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Like, hello, can I? Don't you see it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And I felt like mm-hmm. I'd been in those wastelands for so long. Mm-hmm. And, here, and there he was. I love that. I, I clung to that so much. And um, another one, and I have it right here. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. I felt like I was working and striving and moving and pulling and tugging. He just needed me to be still. Yeah. And know that I am God that give that gave me and still gives me such comfort 
knowing that he's right there. Yeah, I've heard some of you talk about that, a situ- different situation, but they were like asking God to fix somebody else, and he's like, either you can do this, and I'll let you do it, or you can let me do it, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a different outcome. Yeah. I mean, like, you choose. You go and do it, or you just need to be still and let me do it. <laughs> I remember a Bible study leader said, don't be the Holy Spirit in a skirt. <laughs> Get out of his way and just let him do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And it always turns out best. And then um, one more is the, these two post-it notes are on my bathroom. I just took them off my mirror and brought them with me. <laughs> um, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalms 1941. And I'll tell you, just... You know, created me a clean heart, oh God. Take every thought captive because if I wasn't arguing with Steve or saying things I shouldn't have been saying, boy, I was it was going on in my mind. And you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it starts in your heart and in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I needed the Lord to um, clean that part of me. And so I really have to just, the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, oh Lord, my rock. And my Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite ones. Before we sat down to record today, you were mentioning that when you were thinking back over the frayed knot of, of what you wanted to share, that you really had more than one. And I would love for you to, to go on and tell us about mm-hmm. another time if you would be, be okay. willing to do so. Yes, gladly. Um, I mentioned we have two sons, Austin and Brooks. Brooks is our younger son. He's 23, and um, he graduated from Owasso and then um, went to Rogers State University in Claremore. Um, he ran track and cross country over there. Um, and there was a time a few years ago, it was right before Christmas break, um, I remember I was working at Hodson, and he called me, and he was just um, frantic and... Um, crying so hard that I couldn't understand him and got some words out and had said that he had done something horrible um, to someone else and that um, it was a horribly ungodly decision and and I said, you know, let me come get you. He didn't tell me what it was or who it was or whatever. He said, no, I'm on my way. You know, when your children are little especially when they're devastated and when they're big and they're devastated, you just want to go get them and you want to fix it. And so um, I called Steve and Brooks came home and um, he shared with us through brokenness um, what he had done and um, who he had done it to. Um, And so the choice that he made was devastating to another person, but also to that other person's family. And friends and his coach was part of that family and so knowing that your child has been hurt is one thing but then knowing that your child is the one who done the hurting was so hard and this wasn't something that Steve and I could step in and fix and so Brooks immediately wanted to call the family and have them over and I'm like can't do this. My stomach hurts. My heart's beating. You know, they're amazing. I, what are we going to do? And so I just followed his lead and the family came over, the mom and the dad, and 
sat with us and I could see the looks on their faces. They were hurt. They were angry, rightfully so. They were broken and it was hard. I've never seen my child go through anything so dark and I haven't seen him go through anything so dark since then. Um, but he owned up to everything. Um, um, that was his break, and he was at home over Christmas for five weeks. He didn't leave the house. Um, I remember songs we sung at church, and so when we go back to sing those songs now, all of that comes back. But over time, in much prayer, the family has forgiven. Some of his friends have forgiven. Some of his friends have not and still don't speak to him to this day, and that's okay. Um, but Brooks has been able to use that horrible decision and it's part of his story mm -hmm. and it's private and he uses it as part of his testimony to this day to when he mentors young guys mm -hmm. and so it was very hard to watch him go through that but it was again God's timing and a huge testament of the Lord's forgiveness to watch the mm -hmm. forgiveness and the grace shown by the family and by the friend who was wronged. I have, I can feel adrenaline in my arms right now talking about it. And it was just an amazing, beautiful, hard, ugly, dark, all of those things. And so that's, that was another time that our family walked through difficulty. Mm -hmm. um, and I just can't. And it's so gracious of God that he uses that in his story now. That, like, mm -hmm. God has used that to minister to other people. Mm -hmm. And if we will allow him, mm -hmm. he will always do that. Mm -hmm. It's so true. He makes the things that are the worst things... He turns them into beautiful things somehow. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the mystery. The mystery that God is so powerful and so good. Even our messiest messes, He uses them. <laughs> he, uses, he uses. He doesn't waste our pain. Mm -hmm. He doesn't waste our lessons. That's true. He's so good. Mm -hmm. And I know you wanted to fix it so bad. As parents, we just want to fix mm -hmm. all the pain and the hurt. And I want to, I need a magic wand, and there's just not one. <laughs> yeah. There's not one. And I remember the first time we saw the person that was wronged by Brooks, um, and the hug was, I can't tell you. It was just, it was amazing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That was that was rough. And then one other um, fray. Um, I really didn't come to talk about gloom and doom and all this, but uh, the Lord is. I want Him to be glorified in all of this. And my brother, um, Carrie, was my only brother, and he um, was raised in an amazing home, you know, with my parents and everything. But he chose the path of um, drugs and fell into addiction. Um, 
in high school and um, carried that addiction, which led to depression and some mental illness for a very long time. Um, went to a number of rehabs, came out, did great, um, got married, had a beautiful son, um, but fast forward um, eight years ago on Good Friday, he succumbed to his addictions and mental health and took his own life on mm. on Good Friday and um, I was I didn't feel responsible for that but I remember my mom always said Kenny you're his older sister you need to be an example you know you're responsible for him and so I just felt okay here this had happened I have a plan I need to tell my parents who's going to call them Oh, you had to break it to your parents. Mm -hmm. I was on the phone with the police officers, actually, when they um, found him. And just matter-of-factly, okay, thank you very much. What do I do now? And they told me. And I just put up this wall, and I think it was just God's protection of my heart. Do this, this, and this. And executed the plan, made some phone calls. And anyway, that was... One of the hardest times ever. Um, but our first holiday without him was Thanksgiving. And right before that, I saw Mary Morris. If you know Mary mm -hmm. Morris, she used to be mm -hmm. the principal at Bailey. She was at a football game, I think. Yeah, in Owasso in the stadium. And she told me about this group that was serving homeless people under a bridge in Tulsa. And Charlie's Chicken, they owned some Charlie's Chicken. They were going to take food out to them. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I need to do this. Because my brother was homeless on and off because of situations and circumstances and certainly choices he had made. And so that first Thanksgiving, we went out under a bridge in Tulsa. And sure enough, here came a lot of carries. Hmm. Um, I believe that everybody is somebody's somebody. Right. And... Carrie, they were someone's uncle, someone's brother, someone's son, someone's friend, someone's dad. And so I just stood on the curb and just the tears mm. just streamed down out of sadness, but out of amazing love and respect to see these people who were serving them and loving on them and giving them dignity, people who had been spat on during the day and marginalized and made fun of and labeled that we all have a story mm -hmm. all of those people have a story and right. it was beautiful and hard all at the same time and so our family just found ourselves there every single Thursday and we still do it to this day mm -hmm. um, the group is called Nightlight Tulsa and we're under a foundation the foundation is called City Lights of Oklahoma and one portion under that umbrella is Nightlight Tulsa. And that's where we go um, under the bridge on Thursdays. And um, once COVID hit, we took a break from it, but we're, we've started back up. This will be our sixth week. Um, we have stations like haircutting, and some of these aren't back yet, but we're working towards it. Haircutting, um, blessings tables where they get essential items like you would buy at Walmart. Shampoo, conditioner, you know, razors, feminine hygiene, things that everybody needs. Um, clothing, certainly. They get food. Um, but one of the most amazing stations that I've been able to work at 
And the Lord tugged at my heart for two years before I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm listening, Lord, is foot washing. Mm -hmm. And to kneel before the feet of somebody, somebody, Mm -hmm. and to wash their feet Mm -hmm. is amazing. I washed one man's feet, and then he said, now I want to wash yours. And so I was reluctant, but I let a homeless gentleman wash my feet, and it was the most humbling thing I've ever done. And quite frankly, Brooks washed feet long before I ever did. Again, just our ma- our sons are so inspiring and so amazing to us. But yeah, not like Tulsa. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. Um, there's another facet of the foundation. Um, it's a mobile outreach. So if you remember back a few weeks ago with all the ice and the snow and our friends and our guests were sleeping out in it, um, part of our volunteer staff Um, would go out and find them and bring them in and if they didn't want to come in take them food and clothing and hand warmers and just mobilized everything and took it to them also um, City Lights has partnered with the City of Tulsa and I think Mental Health Association of Oklahoma and has a hotel right now we've been able to get it we just heard through August and brought in some of our most vulnerable guests who are older who had COVID who didn't have COVID. We have a COVID wing, and they receive three meals a day. Um, The restaurants around are donating food, um, church groups, neighborhoods, whatever. We're going to have a cookout on Memorial Day, but it's a family. It's a community. I Mm -hmm. mean, the the main thing that, you know, begins homelessness is the catastrophic loss of community and family. Mm You can give them a hamburger or a pair of socks, but they need community. Mm-hmm. And so they come down there to be loved on and to be valued and to be seen. And so that's really what Nightlight Tulsa in the city. And like you all know their about. names because I've oh, been yeah. down there mm-hmm. before and watched and participated a little bit. But mm-hmm. those people know you by name. You know them by name. They can They know your story. You know their story. I mean, it, it is a community. Yeah. For sure. We, we believe in connecting human to human and heart to heart. And so that's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Is Was that something that you feel like is a passion the Lord's put in your heart? It is. It mm-hmm. is a passion. And, and I will tell you that there are people who do more than we do for them who are, I guess, more passionate maybe than we are. But that's, that's a passion of ours right now. And it's been a sweet bridge between Steve and I. It's something that he and I mm-hmm. are doing together, and we talk about it, and we, you know, did you see so-and-so? Yes. You know, I gave them my shoes tonight. How many burgers did they need? I don't know, but we need to make sure we get more lettuce next week. It's been a real neat thing for Steve and I to share, um, and I love that the Lord has just used that as a little bridge, you know, in our relationship, mm-hmm. and certainly our children did. And here's a cool story. Um, Austin is married to our, my sweet daughter in love, Madison. And um, he met her down there. She was on our volunteer staff. Oh, wow. wow. Yep. That's a really neat story. Oh, he came uh-huh. home on leave one weekend, and she was over at the fingernail painting station. And um, he's like, who's that girl over there? And I said, her name is Maddie. And he's like, well, I'm going to go talk to her. I said, um, you're fixing to leave for however many years. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't ask her out. Yeah, don't, don't start anything because you're fixing to be gone. He's like, all right. Well, they connected immediately and talked for four or five hours that night, and 
They ended up dating long distance. He was in North Carolina. She was here. They dated for like nine months and then ended up getting, he proposed to her under the bridge. Oh. Yeah. He came home and surprised her. It was supposed to be her birthday. And he, at the end, we always circle up and say a prayer. And he got in the middle and he proposed to, proposed to her right there. Her family was there. And oh, my goodness. It's the sweetest little story. And so, so all those people got to witness it, Yes, too. Oh, yes, everybody. Wow. And then they had a little private <laughs> ceremony in her parents' backyard. And um, he has since gotten out of um, the Marine Corps and is back here now. And they have just purchased a new home over by Morrow Elementary. And they're going to be moving in a couple of weeks. And cherry on top they had little henry stephen nine months ago and i retired so in sweet. june and i get to keep henry every single day oh so our story just gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and now they have sweet pops who is steve who loves on him and shares jesus with him and uncle brooks and a daddy and a mommy who are amazing and just a tribe of people who love them and, mm-hmm. and share god with them and so you know like you said i mean just beauty from ashes yeah it's just in God's perfect timing. And, and Brooks just graduated from college Bro- Yes, recently. Yes. Brooks graduated last, last year, year, and he spent this last school year at Kanakuk Institute. And um, Kanakuk is a, the easiest way to explain it is it's a Christian sports camp. And so for years he was a, a um, camper there, and then he was a counselor. And for the last um, three years he's been the waterfront director, one of the directors there, and um Everything about the the water, you know, the the boats and the wave runners and everything, that's his thing. And just um, taking care of about 500 students at a time all summer long, people coming in and out. And so Kanakuk Institute is an institute. It's a biblical institute of just deep biblical and spiritual study, um, learning more about your faith and learning how to... um, take the Great Commission out and to bring others into the kingdom and to share your beliefs. And I'm telling you, to, to come home and he and Steve are on the back porch with their Bibles open wow. is a beautiful Love picture. It. And so he graduated mm-hmm. from there and um, is back at Canacuck Camps this summer for one more summer. And then he has since um, enrolled at Tulsa Tech and will start working on his um, EMT paramedic certification then wants to become a firefighter so that's the direction he's going but yeah he's been a great inspiration um, to me and to his dad and shared his testimony to the whole k2 camp a couple of years a couple of years a couple of days ago and got to share about his dad and then of course called steve and tells him about it and then steve's crying and <laughs> you know everything wow. over again so yeah it's it's a pretty neat story so i love how god is just bringing your family through all of these ups and downs that you've shared and he's just so faithful mm-hmm. and he's got so many mm-hmm. good things in mm-hmm. store it's Praise a beautiful Jesus. story yes mm-hmm. that's right i'm excited to see we're not finished i'm mm-hmm. excited to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. it that's right you know continue so yeah a, a couple of the books i read um well one of the bible stories i did was armor of god and i know you have you guys have you done that one? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yes, yeah. yes. The armor of God. I've done it twice. It was so amazing and so helpful. So I would encourage listeners to do that one. And then also um, another Priscilla Shire book is Fervent, A Woman's Battle Plan for Specific and Strategic Prayer. Mm. And that one I want to go back and read. But that one really taught me how to pray specifically and strategically. Because when you do, you can go back and you can see God's fingerprints and his tapestry being woven into mm-hmm. your story 
when you're praying so expectantly and so specifically. So those are those are books that I would recommend. Yeah. Wow, that's our story. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. Thank you so much, Kenna. And these resources are wonderful. We'll make sure to put them in our show notes yes. for our listeners to find too. Okay. And thanks for being an encouragement of how God has been so faithful to you through all of these ups and downs, through everything. And we just hope that our listeners are encouraged to know God is going to be faithful for you too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, listeners, we're so glad you're here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Afraid Not. Something that I am walking away with today that I'm so glad Kenna reminded me of is that my prayers can be specific and expectant, not just general, but that just to be reminded our prayers to the Lord, we can bring everything to Him and wait in expectation. I loved the reminder that she said about her bathroom decoration that says, I still remember the days I prayed for what I have now. It's such an example of faith. And also Psalm 19:14, a prayer for our day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Those are some nuggets of truth that I am so grateful for today. I hope you are too. And I love how she weaved in that through these hard situations and stories, God is so gracious to use those things and be able to not waste anything. And he he does give us beauty from ashes. It's Isaiah 61, 3 He will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit spirit of despair. And He is so gracious to do that. When we are sitting in the ashes, He will eventually bring beauty in that in His own timing. And sometimes His timing is not our timing, but it's not the wrong timing. We hope that you will share this, this podcast with friends in your life and Hopefully more people can hear these encouraging messages of faith. Uh, Please rate and review the show if you'd be willing to do that. It would help other people find out about Afraid Not. And we're just so thankful that you're listening today. Bye.